to Life Lessons. We're Jen and Sherry. I'm Jen Stevens, a retired teacher of 28 years and the author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat. And I'm Sherry Bullock. I've worked in healthcare for over 26 years, and I've been an active volunteer for many organizations. We're both wives and moms, and let's face it, we're the glue that holds it all together in our homes. In our careers, we have always been problem solvers who help others. And that's what we'll be doing here, answering questions you didn't know you had, one smart solution at a time. We're always looking for ways to make our lives easier, help us be more productive, or improve our health and wellness. So let's live our best lives one day at a time, and let's have some fun along the way. everybody. We are so glad you're here today. Welcome to episode 16 of the Life Lessons podcast. How are you doing today, Sherry? I'm doing pretty good. Busy, as I know you are. Totally busy. I'm also dealing with something that's super fun, not really fun. Poor Ellie. Ellie, my cat. Little backstory for people who don't know. Sherry was with me when all this happened. She Ellie got hit by a car in gosh what year is it now 20 it's it was in 2019 yep june of 2019 she got hit by a car and broke her leg had nerve damage had to have her tail amputated well she is bless her heart having more trouble with incontinence mm. yeah so what do you do with a cat that you love so very much and she goes and lays on the sofa and then there's a big puddle there and she can't help it it just you know she has no nerve control she's so anyway we're struggling with what to do about that. So next time you come over, we may have like cat pads all over the Poor the thing. House. I know. Poor she's Ellie. such a good girl. And, she is such a good girl. But it just seems to be worse. Yeah, I don't know what to do. So, you know, sometimes I talk, you know, I talk about balance a lot. Yeah. And living, you know, a balanced life. And I feel like busy is like, I always say people are like, what do you have to? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just so busy. And I think. I constantly look at ways to be like less busy. I'm like, how can I be less busy? What can I cut out? Or what time-saving hacks can I, you know, implement? And um, I've just decided I need more hours in the day, Jen. That's what it comes down to. <laughs> We've got a lot of projects going on. And my new project is apparently cleaning up after my cats. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Life is just so exciting at the Stevens house, right? Yeah. What does a New York Times bestselling author do at her home for fun? Well, we're all doing these glamorous things at our homes, right? Yes, but I am really working to delegate some responsibility. So that's something I struggle with. It is hard for me as well. You know, I tried at the end of, you know, right before the holidays to talk chat and have it to having someone come in and clean our house. You know, we used to have someone who came in and, and then we she moved away and then we didn't. He just really hates having someone else come in the house. It's not that we can't afford it. It's not that he doesn't. It's just he he's like, I'll do it. I'm like, well, OK, thank you. <laughs> he doesn't do it. <laughs> well, you know, my husband um, was out at work for three months and, you know, I've been working a lot the last three months with not only work and to try to kind of make up for him being out of work for three months and working on the podcast and working on these other little projects. And um, I have a, a laundry problem like normal. And my husband said something like, why didn't you get the laundry done last week? And I said, 
well, you know, it's funny because my husband was off work for 12 weeks and I shouldn't even have a laundry problem. Of course, he's like, yeah, but I had a sore neck. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, we all have a never ending to do list, right? Yeah, well, just a part of life. And here's what I figured out years ago. Unless you're naked, you have laundry, right? You know, even if you're like have just finished the laundry, if you're wearing clothes, you have more more dirty laundry. Well, since we recorded the decluttering episode last week, I have really started looking at my house differently. And um, that whole, you know, like have a place for everything. Yes. I don't know that I have a place for all of my clothes, to be honest. I don't have a lot of closet space and I have a very small dresser. And so I thought, you know. I think my first decluttering project is going to be clothes. I'm going to, I think, try to go to like a minimalist capsule type wardrobe where I just don't, I just don't have so many clothes and then I won't have such an issue. Yep. I need to do that too. It's time to go through some of my clothes because I still have a lot of the clothes I wore as a teacher. Uh Uh-huh. And really, you know, every day I put on jeans and, you know, it's, it's cold here right now. It's winter. So I put on jeans and a sweater. Of course, by the time this comes out, it'll be mid-March. Maybe it'll be warmer. Maybe it's, yeah. <laughs> hopefully, I won't be wearing sweaters as much here in Georgia. It's pretty warm you know, during part of the spring. But yeah, I have like a uniform jeans and a sweater, so I don't need as many you things. You don't need all those work clothes Mm-mm. you had before. Nope. Yeah. So, you know, I always say things as I'm like, you know, what if I get invited to an event or a night out and I'll need something, you know, for that? But I've lived in this house almost three years, and I realize I moved outfits from my old house to this house, and I saved them for that reason, and I haven't worn them really. So Yeah, and the same thing is they probably aren't as in style. If you have something fancy, you'll want something new. Yep. So, yeah, my first decluttering task is going to be wardrobe and uh, see if I can't find a women's shelter to to give those clothes to. Well, every week, you guys probably know by now, we start with a good news segment. And so one of our listeners wrote to us, and um, I just really, I really loved this. Being a healthcare worker, this was really special to me too. She wrote, Dear Jen and Sherry, I just started listening to the new podcast while recuperating from eye surgery, and I just love it. I was introduced to Jen's IF Stories podcast a year ago, and like many others, I feel like she's an old friend, so I wanted to share this with you. My 88-year-old dad was just diagnosed with an aggressive form of bladder cancer, and being from East Texas, we opted to take him to MD Anderson Cancer Center in Houston for evaluation and possible treatment. Our first visit there was well orchestrated by them, with calls coordinating appointments, medical history, etc., The problem was due to COVID, they only let the patient go to the visit, except for cases of cognitive or physical problems, and at check-in, they screen and decide who gets a helper to accompany them to their visits. Well, daddy gets around pretty well, but he can't remember a lot and surely would have been overwhelmed by all of the questions in different elevators and floors of this massive cancer facility. I sent him off on the first floor with printed instructions in his smartphone, knowing he was going to have difficulties. It felt like sending your first child off to kindergarten on their first day. We FaceTimed with the first PA, the doctor, and the nurse with ease. But of course, they added two more appointments onto his schedule that day. That meant he needed to eat and charge his cell phone. So the surgeon's nurse offered to help him find the cafe for lunch and directed him to his next appointment. She quickly realized that he just was not able to maneuver this all on his own. She came downstairs to where I was waiting, 
with his cell phone charger, and she talked them into letting me accompany him. Her name is Ursula. She is the primary care nurse for Dr. Navai, who is a surgeon of genitourinary oncology department of MD Anderson Hospital in Houston, Texas. She is an angel. I was in tears when she came to me and said, he cannot do this alone. I told her that I wanted to hug her, but because of the times, we just did an air hug instead. I've reached out to the hospital to let them know how she went above and beyond for my dad. But when I heard about this segment, I had to share with y'all. Thank you for all you do, Jamie Stybender. Oh, thank you, Jamie. That's a great story because really, you feel so helpless nowadays without being able to accompany your loved ones or help them. My my dad and my stepmother were just in the hospital for COVID recently, and you know my sister works at that exact same hospital. She works there, but she had to drop them off and drive away. Yeah, she wasn't even allowed to be mm-hmm. there as an advocate for them. She wasn't. As someone who works there, she had to leave them. And they were, you know, we got updates as they were waiting to be admitted in the emergency room. And, you know, you, they just had to be advocates for themselves. It was not easy. Yeah. So luckily they're home. They're doing so much better. They're getting around. Daddy's back at work, actually. <laughs> so. Well, that's good. It is good. He was in, a, you know, the risk category. So many of the risk categories, but. The good news is they both have recovered well. So I'm glad they bounced back. Absolutely. We were very, very worried as a family. I'm sure you can imagine. Oh, I was worried for you. I was following along. And yep. Yeah. Well, thank you, Jamie, for that. And listeners, we need your stories. Send your good news story to connect at lifelessonscommunity.com. We want to hear about companies that have given you exceptional customer service. Give a shout out to a special someone in your life. Tell us an amazing story or share anything that might be inspirational to fellow listeners. We look forward to hearing from you and sharing your good news in an upcoming episode. And you know, I think Jamie's story was like all of the above, right? Oh, it really was. It really was. So before we get to the life lesson of the week, we want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast. And this week, I want to talk about Beauty Counter. I'm working on a new book. Sherry knows all about it. I haven't really announced much about the new book yet, but I'm writing every day. And as part of writing this book, I, in fact, today and yesterday have been reading a 2018 report by Breast Cancer Prevention Partners. They also are with the Campaign for Safe Cosmetics. And I'm learning some shocking things. Like I'm like following my chemistry husband around the house reading (laughs) this report, Sherry. I'm like, Chad, oh my God, oh my God, listen to this. He's like rolling his eyes. I'm following him around. (laughs) Anyway, they analyzed 140 personal care and beauty items and also cleaning products. And they you know, wanted to see what was in these products. And these were just common things that you could get. You probably have some of these at your house right now. And they found an average of 147 different chemicals in just the personal care products. They found carcinogens, hormone disruptors, other toxins that are associated with respiratory and developmental problems. And here's what shocked me more than anything. Many of the personal care products that they tested had more dangerous chemicals in them than the cleaning product. That's scary. I know. Like the most dangerous product of all, of all the ones they tested, was a shampoo marketed to kids of color, and it had more toxic chemicals in it than a tub and tile cleaner, and also than one of the industrial cleaning products that they use, like janitorial kind of a products. I mean, I know I'm familiar with this tub and tile cleaner, and it's one I I chose not to buy because I it didn't look 
healthy to me. It looked pretty toxic. But you would actually be better off spraying that all over yourself than using this shampoo. That is really, really scary. You know, we trust that a kid's shampoo is going to be safe. And mm -mm. anyway, it's absolutely shocking. So this is one reason why I'm such a big fan of Beauty Counter. I mean, I already was, but now it's like becoming even more. You're like, thank you for finding me. (laughs) Right. You know, I can breathe a sigh of relief because they have what they call the never list. That means there are over 1,800 Um, ingredients that may be questionable or harmful, and they never use them as ingredients in their products. And that does include over 1,400 chemicals banned or restricted in the personal care products by the European Union, but not by the United States, and other additional chemicals that they have decided, Beauty Counter themselves, you know, if they're questionable, they don't use them. So not only can I be sure their products are safe, but they just plain work. So go to jenstevens.com slash beauty counter to learn more and shop with me. The more I learn, the more I'm glad that I switched over. And honestly, I am, as I said, shocked by what I'm finding. Yeah. And you know, my husband and I talk about stuff like this all the time. And he's of this idea that like all of this stuff is out there and we can't get away from it. So, you know, just throw your hands up. What can you do? And I talk to him all the time about it's about risk mitigation. It's what can you do? to lower your exposure. Yeah, you maybe you can't get away from it always. You know, you're going to come into it contact with it throughout your day, but it's choosing, you know, smarter choices that you can control so that your exposure to the ones that you can't control are not as heightened. Mm-hmm. I learned about a very important concept when Will was little. It's called, you know, the bucket effect, your toxic load. Mm-hmm. Will had chemical sensitivities when he was little, but You know, you have a bucket, and that's how much you can handle. And all these different things we put in our buckets, all these toxins, they add up, and then eventually your bucket overflows. So, you know, every time you go outside, you're exposed to things. You know, you may be exposed to things in your water or things you cannot help being exposed to. But I can not spray these toxic things on my skin on purpose. Right. You know, (laughs) I can help that. And so I can lower my bucket in that way. And so that's what's so important. Yeah, you can't avoid everything, but there are many things you can make a difference in. And just to be aware and just start, you know, keeping your eyes open for things and and making, you know, some people are like, I don't know how to go clean or whatever, but you just start small. You just swap out one product here and there and, you know, eventually you'll get to where you want to be. And you'll stop putting as much in your bucket. And that's really the goal. Yes. So now it is time for our life lesson of the week. This week, we are going to talk about gratitude and living with gratitude. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, cultivate the habit of being grateful for every good thing that comes to you and to give thanks continuously. And because all things have contributed to your advancement, you should include all things in your gratitude. That's a good quote. It is. For me, that even means being grateful for negative things that have happened to us. Because they're learning experiences, right? Mm -hmm. In 2010, there was a psychiatrist named Dr. Randy Sansone and a primary medicine doctor, Lori Sansone, and they often collaborate on how psychiatry and health are intertwined. So they published a research paper in 2010 called Gratitude and Well-Being. You can actually find this like on PubMed. And they explored how being grateful enhances a person's general state of well-being. 
their overall health. They describe gratitude as the appreciation of what is valuable and meaningful to oneself and represents a general state of thankfulness or appreciation. The topic of gratitude, you know, the art of being grateful, it's not new. Many people think, you know, gratitude is just an action. You thank those who have helped you. You give thanks for your good life. But it doesn't really stop there because what they're finding is that gratitude is also an emotion that serves a biological purpose. And there's a whole new area of research that's emerging for the last 20 years or so called positive psychology. And they actually explore how gratitude affects people. They argue that gratitude is far more than just being thankful, and they are interested in measuring the effects of gratitude and how it influences a deeper positivity. And historically, gratitude practice has been part of spiritual practices and religious teachings dating you know, thousands and thousands of years ago from Buddhism to Christianity to Islam. But again, it's only recently that researchers have started studying gratitude and how that impacts well-being and overall health. You know, when you think about it, and I think about this all the time, anything that we've done for thousands of years as a part of, you know, traditional living, you know, religious teachings, all that, all the stuff that if you go back thousands of years, we've always done it, is probably grounded in <laughs> science as good for us, right? Uh-huh. You know, so all the religions teach us to, you know, fast. We're all intermittent fat. Well, you and I are intermittent fasters. We're both intermittent fasters. All the major religions said, oh, here's a period of fasting. And now we're discovering scientifically that's really good for our bodies. Uh-huh. Well, all the religious practices said, be grateful, say thanks, give thanks. Now we're learning scientifically that, hey, that's also really good for us. Yeah. So mm-hmm. <laughs> we didn't know why all those thousands of years, you know, it was just religious practice, but it's actually doing positive things for us. So researchers have found nine areas that are actually impacted by gratitude. And one of them is just overall general enhanced well-being. So um, they're finding that people who are grateful are just more agreeable. They're more open. It just gives you an overall better sense of well-being. And I know that that's true for me. When I really think about what am I grateful for and really embrace those things, I'm no longer worried about the other things. Gratitude is inversely correlated to depression. So that means gratitude high, depression low. And it's positively related to life satisfaction. So that's not saying that, you know, if you're depressed, just shape it up, be more grateful. That's not what we're saying, because you can't necessarily outthink yourself out of depression. You know, as we talked about in our our sad seasonal affective disorder episode, depression is complicated. It's more than just, you know, the way you wake up and feel in the morning. It's a struggle for a lot of people. However, incorporating a gratitude practice as a part of your therapy, as a part of your treatment does help improve mental health gains and provide lasting benefits. Do you have anything you want to add with that, Sherry? Yeah, I know. Living with a person who suffers from depression, and I was guilty in the past, you know, years ago before I really learned more about how mental health affects your brain chemistry and how you really think and feel. I always just thought, you know, just wake up and decide you're going to have a good day. And it doesn't work like that. And you can't just suddenly decide, oh, I'm going to have a grateful heart and everything's going to be better. It's like practice. You have to practice 
being grateful. And then once you practice, you know, then it becomes more natural to you and you're able to see positive things, which can then help, you know, boost your mood. So I can see how that working, you know, together would be really effective. Yes, I agree. Also, another area that um, being grateful can positively impact is your relationships. So if you're trying to strengthen your interpersonal relationships, throw some gratitude in there. So people who express their gratitude for each other tend to be more willing to forgive and also less narcissistic. Giving thanks to those who have helped you promotes and strengthens your relationships and your satisfaction. Here's something we started doing, Sherry, Chad and I, we're not doing it as regularly as we had been, but early in January, we went through a, a difficult phase. You know, I think I've talked about this on the podcast. We had a big argument and we were having just, you know, not getting along as well. And so I was like, how about, you because know, we had tried some gratitude journaling where we wrote down things we were thankful for in our day. Instead, I said, how about we write down things that we're grateful for for each other? And, and we focused on that. Like, what did I do today you know, that you're grateful for me doing for you and then vice versa? Right. So that really helped, you know, taking the time each night at dinner to talk about what did you do today that I'm grateful for? I was just wanted to say real quick before, though, he was like grateful for like the cat and grateful for, you know, all these superficial things. But by making it be about each other, it suddenly forced him to, to dig in a little bit more. Yeah. Well, and I was going to say, you know, we talked about the love languages before and words of affirmation. And so, you know, everybody has like their primary love languages, but all of those love languages have an impact on every person in some way you know, to some degree. And so to be able to sit down and tell your loved one, you know, why you're grateful for them or, you know, you're also speaking to that part too. I can see how that would be great. And you're not focused on, oh my gosh, my husband's annoying me because he will not take the trash out. Right. You're left with that thought of, I am so grateful for my husband because he... And I just always feel like good outweighs the bad always. So we did add one thing that might sound surprising. So we, we started with the things we were grateful for for the other person. And then at the very end, I was like, all right, now it's time for us to share anything that was really, you know, a problem, upsetting, hurt our feelings. Because my husband tends to be a, what's the word I'm looking for? Grudge holder? Yeah. <laughs> like recently some things came out that he was really upset about that happened in, I swear to God, 1995. Mm -hmm. Like he's been holding on to some things from 1995 that I'm not the same person I was in 1995. So I'm like, all right, sweetie, we are going to get them out the day they happen instead of, you know, I don't want to be talking about this in 2045. Do you remember back when in 2000? No, we're not going to do that. <laughs> Tell me today. So I'm not even sure that's holding. That might be grudge hoarding. Maybe, maybe. Because <laughs> I might hold a grudge for a week and then I'm going to forget about it. I'm over it like by tomorrow, honestly. He's had that locked up in his closet. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, <laughs> so that that's just one more thing. What am I grateful for? Also, is there anything I did today that really bothered you that you've written in your heart that you're going to bring back in, you know, right. 30 years? I'd like to know now. 
I love anyway, that. Yeah. It's helping. I think it's really making a difference. Anyway, a third thing that can be impacted by gratitude is just overall improved optimism. There was a study in 2003 that explored the impact of practicing gratitude. And after 10 weeks, the people who focused on gratitude tended to show more optimism in many areas of their life, including health and exercise. You know, we can understand that if you're more optimistic about your, say, well-being and health, you're more likely to act in a way that supports your healthy lifestyle. Yes, I think we see that in your Delay, Don't Deny communities. Absolutely. That's very true. And, you know, I talked about this in Fast, Feast, Repeat, the whole, you know, your whole mindset, uh-huh. the positive feelings towards something. Like they, there was a study with the people who cleaned hotel rooms, the hotel workers. And when they were told, good news, this work that you're doing cleaning these hotel rooms is all of the exercise you need. The workers had a positive feeling about the work they were doing in their job. And that translated into they lost more weight. Yeah, yeah. Just because they had that optimism about their work as being a healthy way to be physical. Mm -hmm. So like we mentioned earlier, they do know that being grateful, practicing, you know, having a gratitude practice and focusing on, you know, the things you're thankful for increases people's overall level of happiness. In 2011, a study asked people to write and deliver a letter to someone for whom they were grateful. And after the task, their happiness levels and their life satisfaction, they were rated before and afterwards. And um, they were dramatically impacted even weeks later when they followed up with them. When we are looking you know, at happiness and life, life satisfaction, gratitude offers a long lasting effect in a positive feedback loop. So the more gratitude we experience and express, the more situations and people we may find to express gratitude towards. I think that's huge. You also, um, they're finding that people who have positive gratitude practice, they have a more self-control. It helps them with discipline and focus. Long-term well-being can benefit from self-control. For example, resisting nicotine and cigarettes for someone who is trying to, you know, to quit smoking. More self-control helps us stick to the better choice for our long-term health, financial future, our well-being, our life goals. Again, this takes me back to, you know, our DDD groups and the people who come in and they are grateful that they found fasting and they're like, I'm so grateful I found your book and I'm so grateful for this information and I can apply this to my life and I can make these positive changes are the people that we see every day who are finding great success with fasting as opposed to the ones who come in and they feel angry that they have to pa- that they have to fast to lose weight. They struggle a little bit. So, you know, if you can just flip that and you can see how it's going to impact you positively, then you're just going to have more success and you're going to be every milestone you hit, you're going to be more thankful for instead of resentful of. And, you know, it's interesting that you say that because we can see people who have the same exact situation as far as like going back to weight loss. Maybe they're plateaued at a level higher than they want to be. We've got two people, but one is grateful because they're no longer feeling like they're trapped in some kind of a diet that they used to be trapped in before, where someone else is frustrated and they're like, I'm not getting to eat what I all day long and I'm not losing weight. I'm so frustrated. So the person who is like, I'm so grateful that I've, you know, my thinking has changed in a positive way, they may be in the exact same place, but one is happy and one is is not. Uh-huh. 
Yeah. And we'll talk about that a little bit here later too, and why that actually help, you know, impacts your health. A study done in 2014 found that self-control significantly increased when subjects chose gratitude over happiness or even just feelings of, you know, neutrality. One of the study's authors concluded, and this is a quote, showing that emotion can foster self-control and discovering a way to reduce impatience with a simple gratitude exercise opens up tremendous possibilities for reducing a wide range of society ills from impulse buying and insufficient saving to obesity and smoking. Yeah. Again, you're having more self-control just because you feel grateful. And in the fasting example that I gave a minute ago, the person who's feeling really frustrated is more likely to quit Uh and just say, forget it. Whereas the person who's like, you know what, I haven't had the, you know, the results I'm hyping for, but I'm grateful and they're going to stick with it. And then eventually the plateau will end. They'll have, you know, what they're looking for, but the gratitude keeps them there. They reduce that impatience. Yes. And I can correlate this with um, my husband. He would not give up. He'd give up smoking years ago, but he was vaping liquid nicotine and I could not get him to quit. And he was just like, nope, I've given up this and I've given up that and I don't drink and I can vape if I want to vape. And so I just let it go. But he's had neck pain for, you know, years and um, they finally figured out what's going on. They were going to do surgery and they were going to get him fixed up. And he was so grateful that he was going to be able to live a pain-free life that he said, I'll do whatever I have to do to make this surgery a success. And um, he quit vaping. The nicotine can impact your healing. And as soon as he heard that, he just stopped and... um he now has no desire to go back. So, and he's grateful. Yeah. That he made that choice. He wasn't bitter. Like, Oh, I have to quit. I'm so mad about it. He was so grateful for the opportunity to have surgery and to, you know, improve his life his quality of life that he just gladly gave up the nicotine. That's so huge. It's the attitude. Again, they're going into it with the feeling of gratitude instead of, like it's a chore, something that's a problem. Uh-huh. Yeah. So um, this will be, you'll like this. They found not only do you get better mental health, you get better physical health. So research performed in 2015 showed that patients with heart failure who completed a daily gratitude journal, they had reduced inflammation, improved sleep, and better moods. And this reduced their symptoms of heart failure after only eight weeks. Wow. So the link between the mind-body connection, it aligns with how gratitude can have a double benefit. So for example, the feeling of appreciation helps us to have healthier minds. And with the healthier minds, we have healthier bodies. That's amazing. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. So I mean, overall, you know, this leads to a better life. Psychology research shows that practicing gratitude can actually reduce levels of stress. You know, you we're going through a lot of stress. 2020 was a very stressful year. I was a little stressed out last night, actually. <laughs> I have a book deadline coming up, and I was a little crabby, and I was a little snippy with Chad. And I was like, look, give me a break. I'm not usually like this. I'm stressed out. <laughs> but then take a few minutes and, and say, okay, what am I grateful for today? And that can reduce the levels of stress and also um, the anxiety that you might be feeling when you've got, got all that stress going on. Actually, with athletes, this is pretty interesting. Studies have found that if an athlete has gratitude for their success, 
that impacts their levels of well-being. They have higher levels of self-esteem as they identify with a team. They actually have stronger fan support, more pride. The team actually has a better performance. So when you're grateful for your team, grateful for your success, it just builds and you end up having a more successful team. Mm-hmm. So if you work with any teams or if you're, you know, if you're part of any teams, that's something to keep in mind. Terry McKeever, she's the women's swimming and diving coach at the University of California in Berkeley. She actually has applied these findings to her team with incredible success. So she's got gratitude exercises that that she does with her team. And she, you know, says that practice led her to three NCAA national championships during her career. And she said they work better as a team, they're more appreciative of each other and their successes. And again, we can apply this to what we do, you know, as a parent, or as a coach, or as a teacher, or as a manager, most people do work with others in some way at home or in their workplace. So let your whatever kind of team you've got, not a championship sports team, probably, but (laughs) the team in your life, let them work together with gratitude. I think that's big. Yeah, I think so, too, because, you know, when you're working with a group, you can often find each other's problems, right? Yeah. See, I was just thinking of one of my work groups. And um, there's a lot of finger pointing. You want to one up this person so that you stay out of the doghouse and throw somebody else in the doghouse. And so it's not always a really pleasant and cohesive work environment. But, you know, I worked in a different team of people at a different location, and they are just there supporting each other and building each other up. And it's a whole different vibe. Absolutely. So just keep that in mind. If you if you work in an environment like that, or if you notice your household has fallen into that, you know, nitpicking kind of looking for problems, flip it. So instead of, you know, looking for the problems, look for the positives. Yeah, you know, that you mentioned the trash earlier, taking out the trash. One thing Chad does that will sometimes be very frustrating is he'll take the trash out but not put a new bag in the trash. Like he does that all the time. <laughs> and so I immediately, when I open the trash drawer, I, and I've got something I want to throw away, I see just the trash can with no bag in there. And I mean, it happens all the time. And I find myself thinking, and I want to complain, you, you, instead of nagging him, why are you not putting the bag back in? I think to myself, all right, grateful that he took the trash out. I can put a bag in. You know, today's listener-led lesson is for you. Oh, good. I can't wait to see. I know I looked at it earlier, but I can't remember what it was. But, you know, just taking that moment. So instead of criticizing the things in in your work environment or in your home, say, you know what? He took the trash out. I didn't have to ask him to take the trash out. I didn't have to take the trash out. I'm grateful that he did that. And then I just put the bag in and then I go on. Okay, so now that we have provided some background on gratitude and positive psychology, hopefully you'll understand why having a gratitude practice can benefit you, those around you, and just make your life feel happier and more fulfilling. We asked our community a few questions regarding gratitude practices. The questions posed were, how has being intentionally grateful changed your life, your happiness, or your outlook on life? What tools and tips helped you to implement a gratitude practice? Do you have a specific book, journal, or resource that you recommend? And do you have any specific questions about gratitude? So let's dig into our community's answers. 
Barb from Oklahoma said, when I was a young teenager, my mom regularly assigned my sister and me household chores to do. On a day when my chores included dusting, I was dusting my parents' bedside tables and my mom's prayer journal was open. I glanced over and saw my name. She had written a prayer that asked to give Barbara a more thankful heart. It was like an arrow pierced me inside. That has been over 50 years ago, but I have never forgotten seeing those words. They changed me. Also, as a firstborn, somewhat perfectionist, detailed person, I know how much it means to me when people recognize and appreciate my efforts. Everyone likes to hear job well done. I try to express my gratitude to others, especially those whose occupations are marginalized. I am not a journaler, but I know that many have developed the gratitude habit through keeping a gratitude journal. Mine, however, is done inside my head as a prayer when I lay down in bed each night, listing the things I am grateful for that day. I love that. And I think that's a good point that she made. You know, I can remember the first time I ever heard the idea of having a gratitude practice, probably a lot of people, when Oprah started talking about it. Was it in the 90s, maybe? She start, you know, do you remember that? She started talking about having a gratitude journal. That was the first time I ever heard of it. And, you know, the whole idea was you got to write it all down. So I guess a lot of people might think, well, if I don't want to write it all down, if I'm not someone who journals, that there's no point in doing it. Right. But Barb does it when she's lying in bed and going to sleep at night. She does it in her head. And that's just as valid of a choice. Don't feel like you have to write it down in a journal. So Lauren shared, expressing gratitude for my friends and family is a top priority for me. As I have gotten older, I've realized that those closest to me have been instrumental in shaping who I am today and who I am becoming. I make it a point to tell my children, my husband, my friends, etc., how much I value and appreciate them. I've recently begun the practice of telling my husband thank you for the things I normally take for granted, like building and stoking the coal fire or picking up groceries on his way home from work. It simply makes me feel at peace, regularly speaking, what's on my heart. I, for one, greatly value expressions of appreciation, something that I think is totally underrated and forgotten by today's society. And see, she's the opposite of the one we just read, because she says, instead of keeping thoughts of gratitude in my brain, I will either jot them down in a journal, in the notes section of my phone, or if it involves being grateful for a person, I will text or call them to let them know, even if it's out of the blue. And Lauren recommends something called Listify. List and journal your way to balance, self-discovery, and self-care. It's a daily journal for women that's available on Amazon. So I love that. Yeah, and I put a link to that in the show notes. So if anybody wants to refer back to that, it is available for them. Jen from Iowa said, I have been working on looking at the bright side of every circumstance. Life is too short to be angry all the time. I look for joy and opportunities to share joy with others. I gratitude journal and I reach out to people to let them know how grateful I am to have them in my life. I write down at least one thing I'm grateful for and why each day. She does want to know, how do you provide concrete ways for people to feel grateful when they seem negative? Yeah, I understand that because, you know, as I shared, you and I both know, (laughs) my husband tends to be a pessimist. And so, you know, whereas I tend to look for the positive, he sees the negative. And so I think sometimes just pointing it out in a nice way, you know, nagging never works. I've learned that we'll be celebrating our 30th anniversary this year, but saying, did you realize that you're looking at that in a negative way? Instead, let's look at the positive side of it, you know, and then talking about that. Yeah. And you already offered that great suggestion that you and Chad are doing 
So if it's somebody that you're really close to and you spend a lot of time with, maybe maybe get them to say like, hey, I'm really grateful for this today. What are you grateful for today? Mm-hmm. And just get them like exploring the concept of some people just don't see the good. They're, they haven't trained their brain to do that. So if you can kind of open that avenue to them, maybe it will become you know more common for them to do that. And here's something really interesting from Chad's point of view. He doesn't feel like it as he's being negative. He feels like from the perspective of, I want things to, you know, I'm always looking for a way to make things better. So I'm looking for the problems so we can make them better. That's not how it feels to me when he's saying it, but that's really what his mind believes to be true. Well, my mind does that. I'm a problem solver and I'm constantly looking at things like, oh, how could this be more efficient, better, a time saver, da, da, da. But I think the difference is, is that I'm looking at it from a different mindset. Yeah. Well, he's doing that, but then he's getting stuck in the negative versus, you know, let's look at the opportunity. He just gets stuck in the the negative part. But, you know, one thing I found that's so important is not nagging him about it because he doesn't like that. Just pointing it out. You know, all those years I taught kids for 28 years, they don't react to scolding nearly as much as they react to, let's solve this together. Did you notice that you, you know, whatever, whatever, then then they're more likely to listen. I can say that, you know, my husband tends to go to the negative and I'll say, why do you have to be such a pessimist or why do you have to be so negative? And he's like, I'm not, I'm a realist. And I always say, well, let's change your reality. Yes, there you go. <laughs> let's think about that differently. How could we think about that differently? <laughs> Asking something as a question is pretty powerful. How could you flip your thinking? All right, Danielle from New Hampshire says, a few years ago when I turned 50, I decided I wanted to start my day off right and begin it with positivity. I purchased a cheap journal at Walmart and a daily devotional for women. I start each day with a devotional. Then I write in my journal about what I read. Second, I write what I'm thankful for. It's something different every day. Lastly, I write what I'm going to do for yoga that morning. Then I do 20 to 30 minutes of yoga and get ready for the day. This really puts me in a good frame of mind before I start my day. It puts things in perspective, especially with all that's going on in the world. I can always find something to be grateful for, even if it's that the sun is shining. And her tips include using apps, journals, and having a routine. She says, I have a spare bedroom with a yoga mat set up and my journal and Bible in reach. I go in, shut the door, and it's all right there waiting for me. Sometimes I even bring my black coffee. So it's just part of her routine. It's just built in. She's got that habit, like we talked about in the habits episode. And her habits are stacked. So Jacqueline from Ontario, she responded to the question, how has being intentionally grateful changed your life? By saying, it changed my focus from what is missing to what is right in front of me. I write a note every Sunday and I put it in my gratitude jar. At the end of the year, I read them all. It both reminds me of wonderful moments and it brings me joy. She recommends a book called Intentional Days, Creating Your Life on Purpose by Adrian Enns. And she wants to know, how do people keep the faith during these dark days? Yeah, that's one we've heard a lot. And it's been a, a tough year for a lot of people. You know, we've, it's been stressful. Businesses have failed. You know, big restaurants have closed. 
it's just been hard. Family members have passed away. I mean, we've had illness in our families. And so, you know, how do you keep the faith? Well, you know, we're learning to appreciate different things. And again, looking for the gratitude, even amidst all of the struggle, you know, there's something to be grateful for. Did you ever see the movie Life is Beautiful? I don't know. It's possible. I don't know a lot about it. It was, I think it's in French. I mean, it's not even, and it's got like subtitles. I watched it with Chad. I mean, it's been a long time ago and it's got such a powerful message though. I need to try to find that movie and watch it again. Life is beautiful. Life is beautiful. It's about a man and his son and they are in a concentration camp during the World War II. And he um, is there with his son and he turns the whole thing into, you know, something beautiful. Uh-huh. And of course, you know, at the end when you're crying and you're like, this is, <laughs> it's very emotional. But his son never knew he was in a concentration camp the whole time because of the way the dad kept everything, you know, mm-hmm, the way he presented it. And so it teaches me, I mean, obviously that was such a horrific time, but it can teach us today what we're going through. We have positive things every day in our lives that are beautiful. And we're not in a concentration camp. We're not. Right. And I think for me, and I have said this, you know, for months now, yes, there's additional stresses. People are homeschooling their kids. And, you know, like you said, sick family members and job changes and everything. And, you know, I'm not making light of the stress that we've had this year. But I also keep coming back to the fact that, we have been forced to slow down. Right. We have been forced to maybe reprioritize our life. We have been forced to spend more time as a family at home because activities have been canceled and cut out. And I feel like people have just really come back to home and family and family time. And so if you get, you know, if you take no other positive away from this whole last year, to me, that it's that. Right. And then I just have to, you know, always, you know, just remind myself, this isn't forever. This is for right now. And I think keeping hope and faith alive that, you know, we're going to come out on the other side of this soon and, um, you know, start making plans for the future. And it's going to feel sweeter when this is gone. Right. Absolutely. All right. Anne from North Dakota asks her sons every day, what are you thankful for? They each answer, and then she chimes in. She says, this is usually tied into a time of day when we get in the vehicle and pull out of the driveway. We don't drive in the car without saying what we're thankful for that day. And she said this came to her mind to do years ago after a Thanksgiving Day meal where everyone went around in a circle of about 20 and said a few things they were thankful for before they sat down to eat. So she thought, you know, why do we only do this on Thanksgiving? So she vowed to change that, which I think is great, because she's right. We do tend to do that on Thanksgiving and then forget about it the other 364 days of the year. So if there's ever any kind of arguing over nonsense or any form of complaining, she stops the conversation and says, let's give thanks. So they think of something to be thankful for. They go around and continue this until the other issue has disappeared. So I think that's wonderful. Yes. uh They stop it before it even happens. Right. Jackie from Traverse City, Michigan, says that being intentionally grateful has enabled her to change her focus. And she said, now that it's a habit, I realize that I spend much less time focusing on what is wrong in my life. And having that better mindset seems to draw more happiness into my life. So happiness begets happiness. 
Every evening I sit down and I fill out an entry in my five-year journal of the day's events. Then I use an app on my phone called Gratitude and I enter at least five things I am grateful for, including a photo I took that day. I love the app and I've had it for several years and it is so fun looking back at all the photos and entries. And she recommends that anybody wanting to start a gratitude practice download the app called Gratitude and give it a try. I love that. Joan from Houston shared... I love my gratitude practice. I tend to be a Pollyanna type. That's, you know, someone who's always looking on the bright side. Uh, But the past few years have thrown me some curveballs that really changed my attitude. Years ago, I started a simple gratitude journal. And even on the darkest days, it has caused me to refocus a bit and try to remember that there is always something good. Could be as grand as a daughter getting married, as comforting as a hot cup of coffee, or as basic as putting down that the day is done, but there is always something to be thankful for. Most times, thinking about something I can be grateful for, even when life seems to stink, will turn my thoughts and my day around. And she said she loves the gratitude journal from Lime Life Planners. It's a simple one line for each day, and you can put one thing or a few things on it. She said she has it tucked in the front of her regular journal, and even on days that she doesn't have time to write, or if she's too unmotivated or overwhelmed too, she can just put one line in there. So she numbers the days of the months in different colors as the days are just listed by number. And she said she's given this journal as a gift to her closest friends on their birthdays. And the first thing she writes is that she is grateful for their friendship right there on day one. And the rest is up to them. I love that. Yeah, that's special. Uh, Katie from Washington, she said, I am intentionally optimistic which I am grateful for. It didn't come naturally. I had to make a habit of it. It is now second nature to find the good in things, and it helps me set an example for my kids. When I found myself saying or thinking something negative, I would make myself say three nice things about the negative thought. For instance, if I thought, ugh, there's no way I can walk for 45 minutes today, I would instead stop and say, I will feel great after walking. It will help me catch up on an audiobook." And I'm happy to get the vitamin D. If I thought something negative about someone else, I'd employ the same tactic, but I'd have to say three nice things about the person. And it could not be materialistic. I couldn't say, oh, her shirt is nice. Sometimes I'd have to think really hard to come up with something nice to say about the person. But slowly I learned to be more grateful and see the positives in my thoughts and the people in my life. Because you always can. You know, there's always those things that drive you crazy about somebody else. But there are positives there. You just have to find them. And it it multiplies them and it magnifies them. That's what I always have found. Pam from Texas says, being a glass half full girl for as long as I can remember doesn't mean life has been all unicorns and rainbows. There have been some truly challenging times in my life. I find that expressing my gratitude for everything I'm lucky enough to be blessed with, big or small, helps me keep the faith that tough times are temporary. Not to mention that often the most valuable lessons are learned on rough seas, not sitting peacefully on the shore. I love that. She also says she wouldn't call herself really someone who prays, but she instead speaks her gratitudes out loud. She might be in the car or walking or or saying them to her husband. Vocalizing them seems to send out a ripple that sends even more to be grateful for right back to me. She also plays something called a gratitude game. She'll text her daughter with that. And then they take turns texting back and forth, whatever they're feeling grateful for. That would be really easy to do with anybody. That would be really easy to do. 
Barb from Minnesota said, I started by writing in a gratitude journal, but now I include a list in my prayers each night of what I am thankful for from that day. Better than counting sheep, I replaced my self-talk from I have to to I get to. It makes a huge difference in how I approach my daily tasks and even family gatherings I'm not looking forward to attending. I recognize that happiness is a choice and I am responsible for my own happiness. And she recommends a book called The Happiness Advantage by Sean Anker. I love that. So finally, Beth shares, I'm much more positive overall when I'm intentional about showing gratitude. I enjoy using grace before daily dinners as a time to reflect out loud about simple things that we're thankful for that day. So if you want to develop your gratitude practice, you can start by trying these exercises that are recommended by a magazine called The Greater Good. And they suggest reflecting on the positive. So keeping a gratitude journal or even journaling about three good things that happen to you every day. And that will help highlight any, you know, wins in your life and help you stop taking things for granted. They also suggest that you write a gratitude letter. Writing and delivering a letter of gratitude to someone can boost your sense of gratefulness, but also strengthen your bond with them. And they suggest imagining a different life. You can get, you know, really accustomed to the good things in your life, but if you really imagine their absence... It can just really shake you out of the habit of taking things for granted. So, I mean, for instance, you know, I might be frustrated with my husband over the trash or his messy nightstand. But, you know, if I stop and think, what if I didn't have my husband? Then I'm grateful for that messy nightstand. Exactly. Also, you know, depriving yourself, that sounds crazy. What? Depriving yourself? How's that going to help? So (laughs) what you do is you abstain from something for a period of time. You give it up and take something you enjoy and you're not doing it for a while, but then later you're going to engage in it. You're going to partake. You're going to indulge yourself. You give it up again, maybe give it up for a week. At the end of the week, indulge again and really pay attention to how you feel. You know, this makes me think of my book, Delay, Don't Deny, right? You know, like ice cream. If you have ice cream, let's say you ate nothing but ice cream, you'd get tired of ice cream, right? You'd be like, ugh. But let's say instead you're like, you know, I'm going to only have ice cream once a week. You deprive yourself of it for a while, but then you enjoy it so much more. You know, it's that whole absence makes the heart grow fonder. Right. And then they also really suggest just take what they call a savoring walk. So take a 20-minute walk, really observe the sights, the smells, the sounds, use your senses. You know, maybe it's fresh cut grass or some blooming flowers or the sunshine or, you know, a stranger that you pass on a walking trail. And each time you notice something positive, really take the time to absorb it, think about it, think why you enjoy it, why did it bring you joy. And then, you know, as you take these little gratitude walks, go different directions, look for new things, seek out things that bring you joy and make you feel grateful for your life. And then real quick, I just want to share an app that I subscribed to two years ago. And I don't anymore because I just felt like after one year, I had a really good gratitude practice established. And it's called 365 Gratitude. And it is, there is a cost to it. I think it's around $30, but every single day they send you a new personal gratitude prompt. Um, They have stories that teach life-changing lessons. They help you deal with difficult emotions, help you cultivate positivity, self-love, 
joy. It's really amazing. They give you little exercises. And one of the exercises I had to do was I had to write a letter or email to somebody who had changed my life. And I did do that. And I can't tell you how impactful that was for me. And see, that's the thing. It You think when you're writing a letter to somebody else, it's going to impact them, but it actually impacted you. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it also has a mood tracker in it. So you can track your mood each day. That's good. Yep. So before we get to the listener-led lesson of the week, I want to take a minute to tell you about one of the companies that makes it possible for us to bring you the podcast, and that's ButcherBox. ButcherBox is my go-to source for high-quality meat that I can trust. Once you have a ButcherBox membership, you'll have access to incredible member deals, exclusive add-ons like extra ground beef or pulled pork, and new products like pre-grilled free-range chicken breasts for those busy days when you need to throw together a quick meal. I'm really excited about this addition because I meal prep my weekends meals. I work every weekend, so this will be a huge time saver for me. ButcherBox means better. They treat their planet and their employees with respect. They care about the lives of animals and livelihoods of the farmers. And they have just recently become a certified B Corporation. Certified B Corporations are a new kind of business that balances purpose and profit. They are legally required to consider the impact of their decisions on their workers, customers, suppliers, community, and the environment. This is a community of leaders driving a global movement of people using business as a force for good. Did you know that Beauty Counter is also a certified B Corporation? Yes. Yeah. I did know that. So for new members, ButcherBox always has a fantastic special offer, and we will always have the most current offer linked on the Shop With Us tab at lifelessonscommunity.com and in show notes. So head over to lifelessonscommunity.com, go to the Shop With Us tab, and find the ButcherBox special offer. Every time you order from ButcherBox, you help us bring you the podcast, and you can be sure you are giving your family the best meat available to you. So next, we have a segment that we like to call our listener-led lesson. It might be a life hack, a book recommendation, a special recipe, a kitchen tip, or anything along those lines. Today's listener-led lesson comes from Debbie B. She actually has two tips. She said, I just added a recycle bin next to my trash can in the kitchen. Now when I get the mail, empty boxes, and packages, I drop what I can in the recycle bin right then. No more leaving the mail on the counter. No more throwing stuff away that could be recycled quick and easy. Second tip, when I empty the kitchen trash can, I put the whole box of new trash bags at the bottom of the can. Then they're right there ready to use. Plus, it holds up the current bag, keeps it from falling to the bottom of the can. Yeah, I see why you said I would love that one. Yeah, I actually did this (laughs) after I read it um, a month ago or so. And it has, it's it's so much easier. Yeah, keep them right in there. Yeah. So at the end of each show, we share a motivational quote from a listener, and today's quote comes from Sarah Rodriguez. She wrote, this is a quote I made up. It's the things we don't talk about that control us. She said, at a certain point in my life, I realized that so much of our energy is used to hide our fear and our shame and to avoid talking about that one thing that we thought no one would understand. When in reality, there's nothing new under the sun. If we can just speak our truth, even the hard parts, even the parts we are still hoping to be redeemed, then we can be free. And I, for one, want to live a life of freedom. That's huge. That really is. Yeah. We all do. We all want the same things, really. Mm -hmm. 
Well, thank you so very much, everyone who contributed. Thank you for joining us today. Don't forget to join our Facebook community. It's called Life Lessons with Jen and Sherry. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you'll get it every week, just automatically. And also make sure to leave a review so that we can reach others. Do you have a story to share for our good news segment, a listener-led lesson, or a motivational quote that means something to you? Or do you have an area of expertise that you want to share as our featured guest for the week as we present our weekly life lesson? Email us at connect at lifelessonscommunity.com and listen each week to see if we share your story or tip. Until next week, thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.